Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. I know there might be a lot of confusion when it comes to biohacking, increasing human performance, looking at the invisible factors that matter in your life. And hey, this is why I started Shift with CJ to provide you with a guided approach to find yourself through all the clutter and provide you with information which is backed by some kind of science. Now, I'm happy that there are so many people around the world who are trying to do the same. So today on the show, I've got to you a special person. He's a fitness trainer, he's a nutritionist, and he helps people by breaking down actual psychology, fitness, and nutrition strategies and all that you need to have a lasting transformation in your life. Imtiaz Kabir, welcome to the show. Thank you, CJ. Thank you for having me on your show today. It's a pleasure to have you. So you're joining us from Toronto. Yeah, How's the right, weather the there? Canadian North. <laughs> Weather's actually beautiful. We're, we have an uh, early summer this year somehow. Uh, you know, we're in the okay. 25 degrees Celsius, and it's just, it's, we're not used to this kind of weather this early, so we're loving it. So at this point, what kind of weather are you typically used to? Is it like we're usually still, you know, we're still, you know, close to 20, maybe at, at the most, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 16 is in that range. But we've been getting 25 degrees, 30 degrees already, which is usually deeper in July. So it uh, looks like we're in for a hot summer and we love it here because, you know, we barely get summer as it is. I uh, was just about to say that you guys barely get summer because it's one of the most coldest places, isn't it? I think I've been to Toronto yeah. in 2002. Yeah, when there as a kid, because I had some cousins living up there, they migrated now. But uh, yeah, that was the last time I was there. I had a good time, went to Niagara Falls. Um, and I believe I was in Toronto in a, in a place called Brampton. Am I getting oh, yeah. that name correctly? Yeah. 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 Okay, perfect. So, Imtiaz, you've got a fantastic podcast by the name of the Special Strength Podcast. And you've interviewed experts in the field. Why did you decide to start a podcast? Yeah, so the Special Strength Fitness Podcast, that came about because, um, well, uh, it ties into another story where I kind of stepped away from this industry that I'm in, the health and fitness sector for a, a while. Um, so I'll give you the kind of Cliff Notes version of it. Uh, I've been in this industry as, as a fitness coach, as a nutrition, nutrition coach for you know, about 15 years or so now. So I've, I've been in here for a long time. I've done a lot of work with good people. And one of the things that uh, I ran into as time progressed was that the v- visual perception people have of what a good coach is started to change. You know, with, with the advent of you know websites, I- Instagram, YouTube, etc., it became less about what the person can do for you, unfortunately, and more about what they look like. So, if someone wants to go and look for a coach, one of the first things they would look at is, what does this person look like? You know, are they shredded all the time? Uh, are they living that good lifestyle, as, as they say? But, you know, that's, that's just a facade, right? Nobody lives that lifestyle 24-7. And if you do, you're sacrificing pretty much the rest of your life to attain that, uh, that kind of lifestyle. So uh, come 2018, um, you know, I was at a point in my business where it was super successful. I was making, uh, you know, more than double the money I was making from my 9 to 5 and my coaching business. And I thought, you know, it's perfect time to transition full-time into it. Uh, I was putting the hours in anyway after work, right? Might as well be full-time with just the one thing. But um, a few things, a combination of a few things kind of took me out of it. One, you know, I became a father. I was a young father at the time. Uh, two, you know, just the stress of 
doing a nine to five and then a full time, essentially fitness career, it was wearing on me. So I wasn't taking care of myself anymore. And number three, which is probably the biggest thing is, like I said, the trend towards just visual um, credentials, if you will, mm-hmm. became so uh, flagrant in the industry that, uh, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm one of the rare people who doesn't want to take their shirt off and show off. You know, that's not in me. That's not my personality. So if somebody else does it, good for them, but I, I won't do it. So now I'm at a point where the industry is going in one direction, but I don't want to do the same thing everybody else is doing. How do I survive? How do I thrive? So I decided, you know what, I've got to figure this out. You know, I can't just fake it till I make it. So I completely stepped away from the industry in 2018 at the, at the height of my success. Um, two and a half years later, after watching countless people on Instagram, YouTube, et cetera, claim to be a coach and watching them, uh, you know, butcher the science, butcher the, the coaching and completely teach people the wrong things that end up hurting them in the long run. I just couldn't stay away anymore. So I came back, but this time I had a plan, you know, knowing that I'm not going to be the Instagram guy with a shirt off. I knew that I had to absolutely find a different way to put my message out there. And podcasting was a natural phenomenon for, for me. You know, I gravitated towards teaching people a lot. I always have. And the podcast was something that I researched. I looked up uh, you know, how to do it right, the way I can, uh, within my philosophies. And, uh, you know, it just, it took off. I didn't expect the response it got. Uh, it's been going really, really well. And I've had some amazing guests on the show uh, with great information for everyone. Congratulations. Congratulations that you became a father and congratulations on coming back with a strategical approach where you are able to reach out a lot of people and just deliver the truth, basically, because at some point, I also think there this is a big facade. A lot of people in this um, region of the world also always look at the aesthetics and um, they aren't really looking at the um, you know the back end or the story of why this person is how they are maybe they're just you know they don't have a life and they're just like eating salads all day or probably they're injecting some other things that you know absolutely make them look great but you know down regulates hormones and makes you feel depressed sad lonely or just makes you feel like an asshole to be honest in front of other people because because right because you know you're just looking at your you're such an unnatural state of being. And I would like to make it clear that some people get there naturally because they are their genetics and, you know, the way their muscle fibers are just built in. They're naturally, you know, ripped and it doesn't take them a lot of effort to go to the gym and just pack on some muscle or lose some fat or show those abs. And those guys are really cool, but that might be like 10% of the population. And then this is our... um, our struggle and everyone like at this point i also feel like everyone is trying to be an athlete and people who are not really competing but they're like putting in extra hours they're spending so much on supplements and they're just trying to get that top physique and sometimes that people don't realize to get to unrealistic results you have to take unrealistic approaches and when you take approaches which are very away from nature and you don't incorporate like a holistic lifestyle inside you might just you know, you, you might just get to that six pack or abs. And I've been there in the past. I've, you know, obsessed yeah. over this um, looking good phenomenon. And I got my body fat up to like 3.5 and I think four at a point. But my life was miserable, man. My life was miserable. All I could think about is food. And all I yeah. did was like taking the stairs. So because it didn't come naturally to me. And then, you know, I'm sure you've trained a lot of people and you've given them a lot of advices on like health, performance, fitness. 
and much more. But then in the end, it is the, how would you call it, like for a better word, the person or the audience or the community or your client's responsibility to take that advice and incorporate it into their lives. I normally see people get excited when they try a biohack or a supplement or some version of training like the Tabata training in the beginning. And the biggest issue that I find that people have is consistency. And that was one of my observations. I've trained a few people and that was one of my observations. I've like spoken to a lot of people, given a lot of advice. And this is one of the most common things that I find. You as a fitness trainer, being in the industry for such a long time, do you have a similar take on things or do you have a different side of the story? No, you actually hit on some really amazing points there. So I'll kind of start off with one of them. Um, you know, like you said, most people want to be an athlete or like a Hollywood star, right? They don't realize, like you said, unnatural results, like getting shredded as a movie star in like two months for a role when, you know, you're like, say, 250 pounds overweight and flubby and you go two months later, you're like 185 pounds shredded to the gills. That's not natural. You know, it, mo the, the big problem is people aren't educated enough about this stuff, right? They just believe what they see. So they see these athletes go through the training and, and whatever they do behind the doors. And then they see the performance. They don't see the hard work and, and dedication that goes into it. They see the movie stars. You know, one day, Mark Wahlberg looks like he just walked out of a donut shop. And then the next, you know, two months later, he shredded to the gills. You know, they don't realize, yeah. okay, first of all, all they, the movie stars do is, is focus on their job. So if they need to get shredded for a shape, for, sorry, shredded for a role, they're going mm -hmm. to be putting the time in. Nobody has, you know, eight hours a day, two training sessions. And the average person, they don't. Mm -hmm. um, second, the extra, I call them the extra special supplements, right? Air quotes, uh, you know, the steroids and, and all these things. I, I, I've coached hundreds of fighters personally um, and working with athletes and, and people who are professionally uh, required to be in a certain kind of shape, you realize the lengths people will go to to do that, right? Whether it's taking, you know, testosterone, uh, trenbolone, et cetera. So average normal people who fall for this kind of stuff, they don't realize the, the work and the chemicals that go into creating the, the, those kinds of bodies. Now, when it comes to people, like you said, the, the number one problem is consistency, right? And, and I, I fully agree. I, I was just speaking with a guest uh, that I recorded an episode with that's going to come out today. And, uh, you know, we're, we're focusing on fathers and dads because it's Father's, uh, father's Day coming up. And, you know, we discussed how consistency, even if you were to just walk consistently, you would see results, right? I mean, as a starting point, you would see results. If you do the keto diet consistently, you'll see results. If you do anything consistently, you're going to see results. But here's the thing, consistency is boring. It's not as sexy as here's a little, you know, one single biohack or one single pill you can take every day and get your dream body. Right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants a magical one-click solution, but nobody realizes or wants to realize that, hey, it takes time, it takes consistency, and it takes dedicated work. Completely agree. And what do you think is, what are the factors that go in when it comes to consistency, why do you think people aren't consistent? Is it the, I mean, one of the things that we hear is people making excuses, but then it all comes down to some kind of like an willpower, if you like. Do you believe in willpower? Because some people think willpower is bullshit. So what's your take on willpower and what it does for us? Yeah, I, we definitely have willpower. There, there's no question we have it. The, the problem is it's not sustainable long term so willpower is kind of like um you know ca caffeine right if somebody drinks coffee they're going to get a nice energy boost from it but does it last forever no it doesn't uh, the analogy that I, I like to use is think of willpower like a matchstick 
you light it, it gives you an instant burst of light, heat, energy, right? Mm -hmm. But discipline, discipline is like a big camp bonfire, right? If you ever go camping, you make big fires. You've got to chop the wood. You've got to place it all right. You've got to light the match, light that bonfire. And if you've done it correctly and placed the wood where it needs to be, that fire is going to last you the whole night, right? Mm -hmm. So th that's your willpower versus discipline. And what most people need is discipline. But what they think they need, what they think they need is willpower. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a military guy, right? I serve in the military in Canada. And uh, we, we definitely use our willpower in moments when we need to. But even us, who are trained to use it in moments that we absolutely need it, it doesn't last forever. The discipline is what does, right? What you do in training, what you do in everyday life, the habits you set, that's what lasts. So when people start relying on willpower, what they're doing is saying, I'm just going to rely on this thing that's not going to be there forever. It's not consistent. Changes with my emotions and the day. So when it fails them, they think there's something wrong with them, right? Mm -hmm. They start blaming themselves. They turn inwards. And it's like, no, no, it's not your fault. You've just relied on the wrong tool to get the job done. Instead, if you push willpower to the side for a second and use discipline as the primary tool that you use, you'd see amazing results. Discipline is simply doing the thing you know you should be doing, whether you want to or not, mm -hmm. right? Like Completely if you say agree. you need to run, if you say you need to run and you put it, okay, every week I'm going to run twice on Mondays and Fridays. Well, great. It's on your schedule. You've done something to set yourself up for good discipline. Now, when you get to that time on Monday or Friday, then you can use the willpower to help you get that done. But at least you've set up the, the discipline saying, okay, I'm going to put on my schedule. I'm going to block that time off. If you never do that step, willpower means nothing because willpower changes all the time. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I love that you mentioned it, that willpower always fluctuates during the day, during emotions, because we know that, I mean, you know, neuroscience has come so far that we know that willpower is also scientifically proven to be limited. It um, it depends on your sleep. It depends on your emotions. It and it's it's got a finite number. So if you're listening to the show and you think that you can like, you know, out muscle willpower or like you know use willpower to go throughout the day, you might be able to do it first thing in the morning because when you sleep, your willpower stores, which is technically the anterior cingular cortex located in your brain, is has enough energy, has some kind of a glucose running. But then as you start making decisions, as you start making decisions about what are you going to wear tonight? What food are you going to cook? Where are you going out for lunch? And things like that. As soon as you constantly put things like that and your brain has to go through an effort to make decisions, that willpower in your ACC starts depleting. And this is why we probably see... Um, you know, famous people like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, they're always wearing the same thing. They have a schedule. They're doing the same thing every day. It is because one of the secrets is because they don't want to lose out on their willpower or their decision-making. Another word for it is also decision-making fatigue, where you kind of make so many decisions. So if you aren't really sure, if you haven't written it down that you had to work out at like 10 a.m. and then you had to go and you know, eat a steak or eat whatever at like 11 or 12 um, in the afternoon. And then you're going to do some walking in the evening. If you don't put that down and respect it and follow it, chances are you're depleting your willpower. And then restoring willpower is a completely different thing that, you know, it can be fueled by food. It could be fueled by rest. It could be fueled by how much glucose your brain reuptakes. But again, Coming back to the point that willpower is limited, 
do not put all of your energy on willpower. And then you mentioned discipline. How does a person get discipline? Because I know for a fact that most of the people listening to this show, or most of the people around the world, let's just take a number of people, right? They aren't very disciplined. And does discipline come from something that you were taught as a child? Is there a genetics that play a role? You're a military guy, so you had to go through steps to bring in more discipline into your life. In a way, you didn't have a choice, right? Because when you're, 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 you're training or you're going through the whole thing, you have to be disciplined. You have to wake up at that time. You have to follow the rules. You have to listen to instructions. And that kind of like conditions your mind to be disciplined. Do you think it's easier for people who have gone through a formal experience, like a military experience or something else like that, than compared to yes. your average person? Yeah, absolutely. So let me answer the first part of the question. Um, are you essentially born with higher discipline than other people? Yeah, some people can have, you know, um, intrinsic levels of discipline that are higher than other people. That, that's certainly, you know, you can genetically pass on a lot of these things. However, mm-hmm. uh, discipline is one of those things that you can actually, it's a highly trainable skill. It's an actual skill. It's like anything else, like pottery is a skill, right? Discipline is a skill. It's highly trainable. That's something that, you know, that, that's why I love, uh, you know, whatever military you look at in the world, right? The way the military trains its soldiers, it's, it's phenomenal. You can learn a lot from it. And one of the main things they do is instill discipline in the soldiers. So in the heat of combat, in the heat of battle, there are no second guessings. You do exactly what you're trained to do because it's life or death for you or somebody else. So how do you foster that discipline? Well, you have to first create the environment, right? That's step one. You, you go into a military training camp. Do you see a, a burger joint sitting in the middle of it? No, <laughs> you, you don't. It, it's, it's all regimented. Everything has a place. Even your, the way you make your bed it, it is scheduled and, and told to you, right? And why is that? Why are those exacting standards placed around you? Because when you give yourself an option B, most people take the option B. When you give yourself an out, most people will take the out the easy way. Mm-hmm. And so when you change your environment, and, and I call it having systems of success and systems of failure. That's how I define it, right? You've got to make sure you have a system that allows you to succeed, removes all the barriers possible and makes it as easy as possible. And then you've got to have systems of failure because nobody's perfect. Everyone's going to mess up. Everyone's going to have that day where nothing just worked out. So you've got to have a system now to deal with those instances of what I would call failure. And now failure is not a bad thing. It's just a lesson learned. But mm-hmm. to, to create discipline, you've got to create the environment first. So for the listeners right now, if this means that you've got to stop buying those things in the grocery store that you know you shouldn't be eating and stop buying it. If it's in your house, it, it, you're going to eat it. We're all on the seafood diet, which means we see the food and we're going to eat it. it it's, it's universal truth. I tell yeah. my wife all the time, like, please don't bring cookies home because I have a thing for sweets and all your cookies are home. I'm, I'm going to town. It's just going to mm-hmm. happen. So, you're going to wake up in the um, middle of the night. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Like my sweet tooth is going to take, take over at some point. So um, you've got to set the environment up, right? That's part one. Now, part two, you've got to put things onto paper right? Not digital. Just putting on your Google calendar doesn't count. You've got to write things down on paper that matter to you that need to get done. So for, for example, when I start training a, a training block, right? Let's say I want to lose 20 pounds and, and get shredded or whatnot. Now I've got to schedule in my cardio days. Okay. What day, what specific time of the day am I doing cardio? And I, and I put it in and I don't just put it in my digital calendar. I write it down and paste it on the wall. I put a sticky note up on my wall. I put it in the bathroom. I put it in the bedroom, wherever I know I'm going to see it the most. Because what we do is when we start seeing something again and again and again, we condition ourselves to accept it as, oh, it's just got to happen, right? This is going to happen. There's, there's no other alternative. 
Whereas what most people do is they'll just put it on a Google Calendar or whatnot, which is what I used to do back in the day. And it kind of just goes away in the phone. It just forgets itself and we go on Instagram instead of the calendar, right? So you've got to make your goals and your action-oriented items that you need to be doing a physical reality around you. Again, it comes back to making that environment ready for your success. Once you've done those things, it's so much easier to just do the thing you should be doing because you're surrounded by it all the time. The, the triggers hit you all the time. And that's one of the big ways you change your habit, right? You've got a place of triggers in place. And when the triggers are there in enough frequency, it forces you, it almost forces you to change your habits, forces you to change the action you take when the trigger comes to you. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. I also think there's more to be said about writing something down. Because like when you look at um, all the best work that's come in in the past, whether it be writing, whether it be, you know, designing a designing a specific program for like a city or anything it all comes down when someone starts writing it as opposed to like typing it and one of the other things that you mentioned right and was very interesting was that every time you write something there is a specific um, and right now i'm blanking out on the name of it but there is these specific cells in your brain which are responsible for making sure that those things happen so when you write things down and you see them every day, that part of your brain, and I can't, I'll probably just blur the name out when I, uh, when I remember it, that part of your brain actually is designed in a way to make you only see things which are similar to that, or in a better word, like give you strategies to get to that result. Because until, unless you get to that result, your brain or that part of your brain is not going to be at rest. Now, for example, you let's take an example, like if you wanted to buy a car and let's say you wanted to buy, you know, a Jeep and you've been looking out for Jeeps all day, whether it's online, you're just like looking at things, you're probably listing down what the Jeep features should be. And what happens over a period of time is that every time you're driving on the street, like your brain filters out all other information and it only shows you Jeeps. So suddenly all around the city, everyone has a Jeep. And this is because there are areas of the brain that are related to executing or getting you towards either a goal, a task, or something that you have intentionally put on. So I love the fact that you mentioned that, you know, hey guys, one hack would be to write things down. And we also know from research that when people write their goals down or when companies write their goals down, they have about a 30 to 40% chance to accomplish it than when they don't write it down so you could be thinking about all things in your head and you know we have the lizard brain and then the monkey brain which keeps on moving from one thought to the other and somewhere or the other if you rely on your memory you're not going to accomplish it so that is a very very good hack thank you for sharing that well uh, you know i also want to add on like you made a good good point here Look at all these professional athletes or, or movie stars or whoever you look up to who are accomplishing things that you think are amazing, right? I'll give an example here. So I, I follow sort of mixed martial arts. And mm -hmm. one of the guys that you hear about all the time, and I'm pretty, pretty sure everybody has heard this name, is Conor McGregor, mm -hmm. right? Like him, dislike him, you got to agree, he's achieved an amazing amount of things in a very short amount of time that nobody else has before. Now, how do you do that? We're lucky because we have video footage of him talking in interviews about this. And there's a very, very famous clip, you guys can look it up on YouTube, where he's driving, I think it's a Bentley or some kind of car uh, in Las Vegas. And he was talking about how when he was dirt poor, you know. <laughs> he used to, 
he used to yeah. um sorry that's my baby in the background when no he worries. was dirt poor he used to imagine himself when he was driving his shitty car down the road he used to imagine himself driving a bentley he used to visualize it right and it's the same thing when you make the things that you want a physical reality around you you're more likely to actually go and get get things done and do the things to achieve those goals so that's why i tell my clients all the time when i take on clients is listen you need to write down your goal and put it on a sticky note and put it every single place you know you're going to spend time. So in my case, it was in front of my desk, you know, the desk that I sit at to work, to study, to podcast, etc. I have sticky notes still there to this day, telling me the things that I need to do on a regular basis. And I've had even me, someone who coaches people in these things, even me, when I have those days when I'm starting to lose my willpower and I'm, things are just going south and nothing's working out, I look at those sticky notes and I'm like, man, no, I got I to gotta do this because this is why. This is why I started on that path in the first place. It serves as a great reminder for people. And, you know, the second uh, biohack that I can share with you guys about discipline is people make it way too complicated, right? People make things way too complicated. It doesn't have to be. Human biology, human psychology, human physiology, nutritional sciences, these things haven't changed since human beings were around on the planet. And it's, mm-hmm. it's gotten comfortable for us. We've you know, made buildings and streets and cities. But the basic biology and science and psychology really hasn't changed. We just know more. That's all it is. So when I see super complicated programs, super complicated diets, you know, oh, you must have the vegan diet or must be on the keto diet or must be on the XYZ diet to achieve Mm -hmm. a goal. Or, oh, you have to do like 20 different exercises and change it up every week because, quote unquote, muscle confusion, right? When I see stuff like that, it's like, this is why people are failing. This is why it's so important to get proper information out there because none of that is necessary. You could literally walk and do push-ups and if you do it intelligently enough at least for half the year you wouldn't need to do anything else it's just variations of the same thing you know that's an extreme example but the point is keep it simple when you complicate things you're giving yourself an option b an exit you're giving yourself an excuse to quit which most people do right they go go through the cycle of oh i started something super energetic about it go through it and two weeks later fall off the wagon and completely quit for four months Yep, that's true. I've seen that happening many times in my own life and in lives of others. And you brought on so many interesting things like um, the part about MMA. I used to be a fan of MMA until a few years ago. I mean, I'm still a fan of it. I just don't follow it anymore. And I remember at that point where um, Conor McGregor was getting top of his success, I think he was fighting a Brazilian fighter called Jose Aldo. And the way he won that fight, one of the things that they were talking about was um, was that they, he was visualizing a lot. He was putting a lot of energy, not training. I mean, he, of course, he was training a lot. But then he would just sit by himself and visualize how the fight would be. He would visualize which punch he would throw. He visualized which punch he would dodge. And he kind of like set up the whole thing in his head like a video game. And comes to the day of the fight. He wins in the first round. Just because, you know, the visualizing thing was really working for him. And when you think of, you know, you you spoke about how visualization is so great. But it also comes down to quantum biology in a certain way. Now, have you heard about the observer effect? Uh, No, I haven't. Okay, so the observer effect in quantum biology states that for anything to happen in this universe, in this three-dimensional universe, because uh, everyone that everything that's moving is energy, right? It's just atoms floating around, and those different atoms come together, and now you have like structure of whatever. And not to rabbit hole too much into this, but they have shown 
that every time there is an observer, when there's an intention to observe something, let's say you're like, you're observing that one punch coming in, or you're observing, you know, your goals or something like that, that frequency of thought is powerful enough to trigger waves into this dimensional universe and then that waves eventually manifest into something so the more you think about it consistently the more you have emotions of it you your body will radiate an electromagnetic field and that electromagnetic field is information is waves is information and information translates into the atoms in the universe coming together and then getting to a result now this is this is completely off the topic but i thought it just might be interesting to share it with the audience that Thoughts become things. And a lot of people these days are, you know, whether it be the lockdown, post effects of the lockdown, whether it be the scare of the vaccine, whether it be any news media or something that is trying to scare us. Every time you have thoughts of anxiety, depression, or you have like thoughts of um, being negative about a certain outcome, nine times out of 10, that outcome will be negative. It's because you're feeding into that energy status in your mind. And then again, like you said, if you're feeding into something like that, it's the same as writing something down. That thing will manifest. So if you write something down and you focus on it, that positive thing manifests. And if you're telling yourself, hey, I'm not good enough, I don't have my willpower, and you know, I can't lose X amount of pounds or I can't gain X amount of muscle, then I'm not good enough. And that thought rewires your brain structure. So in the brain, we have neurons, and there is this classic saying that neurons that wire together fire together. So every time you wire these neurons in a specific thought pattern, they, the bonds between them become more stronger. And every time those bonds become more stronger, it's very easy for you to access that state of mind. And every time you access that state of mind, you access that emotional frequency. Every time you access that emotional frequency, you resonate with that. And you know, Harvard has done studies where they've taken groups of people. And like one study that I remember what they did was a group of people who were asked to do bicep curls for um two weeks and then one set of uh people were just imagining the bicep curls and in the two weeks later both of the participants had similar muscle movements when one was just imagining and one was actually going to the gym and doing it so this just shows us that you don't i mean it all starts with an intention it all starts with the thought it all starts with your ability to kind of like go at a certain thing and I'm glad that you bought in uh, things like discipline and we really need to know how to hack discipline because with discipline also comes the choice, right? Whether you're going to eat that food or not, whether you're, eat, eat, you're going to eat that chocolate cake or not, whether you're going to do all of those things. And I think a lot of people fail because they, they think that they don't have enough discipline to or willpower or discipline or something like that to like go to a party or go to a restaurant. And when everyone's ordering dessert, they're like, uh-uh. like, you know, it's very hard that someone would not order it. Every time I've been out, everyone's like, I wanted to diet and I wanted to like not have enough calories, but I saw it and now I can't control myself. So what do you tell people? Well, like here's, here's the thing. So here's the thing, right? This is, this is part of what I was saying earlier. Is people are so woefully misinformed that they think they... <coughs> Sorry that they think that they can't uh, order that piece of pie or cake at the restaurant with their friends. See, like I was saying earlier, nutritional sciences haven't changed. Like the way nutrition works with your body really hasn't changed. What's changed is human behavior. We've changed as a society to become softer, to have much more ease 
and we don't have to work as hard for the things we get. So now what we're seeing is people have wrong information. They think, oh, I must restrict myself from the things I like to eat. Mm -hmm. And they're moving less. So what happens? Binge eating, right? Mm -hmm. When binge eating does happen, this is when we see people fail in a big way. Now, uh, what people need to realize is you need to find a balance. Everything in life is about balance. If you find a balanced way to have that cake and still maintain a good level of discipline for the most part, you're going to be successful, right? And this is where most people don't don't realize them going to YouTube or Google and trying to find an answer to their problems or, or health issues. It's not the way. You've got to work with a coach who's, who's done the work because until you see different and do different, you don't know different. You think you know, and you can play around with your health, but there's costs associated with it. Most usually, it's in the form of wasted time and wasted results. So uh, the third biohack, if, if I could, if I could even call it that, is use your body, use your mind, use your fingers to go on Google or wherever you look for these people and find a coach. Find a coach who's worked with other people. They can help you. They can guide you. They can see the things you won't, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, one of the biggest takeaways is find a coach to guide you. Don't try to do this on your own if you've never done it before. Now, if you have done it before and you're running into issues now, accept the fact that biology changes, right? We're not static. We're changing all the time. Accept that and try a different approach. The definition of insanity is trying something over and over again. So if something's not working, find a different way to do it. And if you don't have the answer, once again, go find a coach who does. Completely agree. I always am a big, um, I'm always advocating for people to raise their hands and ask for help. Because most of the times, I mean, sometimes it's ego. Sometimes people think that they might look a bit, I mean, you know, either finding a coach or finding someone who's more experienced than you and who has experience and expertise in a certain field because they have lived that life and they have seen and they have gone wrong most of the times because coaches aren't perfect. I mean, if you're a health coach or a fitness coach, you've gone and made so many mistakes. Maybe those mistakes sometimes were intentional, like when you were trying to stress test a certain program or a diet or were you like experimenting with something to write a review. You've gone through like the negative side of things as well. And that what makes you superior than anyone who's like who's just read about it online because you've lived the life. So I 100% agree. I 100% think that people should invest in their health invest in their food invest in guidance that comes from you know an expert like yourself to help them or just to carve a path for them because they have walked on the path many times and you know what i think is a lot of the times why people start failing in things and like you said right and um you know i remember my friend burnt from Germany he's been on a podcast before and I once did a experiment with um, restructuring water so what I did was I was trying to follow the classic uh, Victor Schomburg funnel of restructuring water and making it exclusion zone and I did something okay. wrong and I failed bad at it because I just didn't I got the technique right but I didn't get the geometry right and um, he once told me at that point that fail is abbreviated for first attempt in learning so if you fail i want you to know that it's not like you know you're everyone's going to look down on you it's just your first attempt in learning and then i 100 agree with that failure is nothing but a lesson right if you can make that one shift in your mindset that's what worth its weight in gold 
And um, also, you need to keep your ego aside. Like, I think a lot of times people run into problems because they have this massive ego. And when you said um, that thing, going back to what you were saying, that biology keeps changing. Now, just to give you an example, one of my cousins, he uh, used to have, I mean, he's 43 now, and he used to, um, he used to be, a, be a bit fat, like kind of obese. And then he was just like doing a lot of cardio. This was like 10 or 12 years ago. He was doing a lot of cardio. He was restricting his food. And eventually he did, eventually he did get onto a, um, the perfect, not the perfect physique, but like he lost a lot of weight and what he wanted to achieve, he did that. But then over a few years, like 10 years later, he lost, he gained the same amount of weight. And now what he tells me, I'm just going to do the same thing that I did 10 years ago. but my comment to that is always that what you did 10 years ago is not going to work because things have changed you nearly starved yourself to death and there are better ways to do it and your hormones aren't the same you were like 28 at that time you're 41 at this time so you know a lot of things change in biology so people must um know that as well as if i could add that biochemical individuality is a big thing when it comes to exercise science sports nutrition sports performance so what that means for anyone who's listening is that you are completely different from the person who you've read about or seen on instagram what you're eating the biochemical pathways the genetic pathways like you know some people are like excellent in like methylation some people are poor in methylation now these things are out of your control some people's stress levels are high some people's stress levels are low some people are able to, you know, they have, um, they have these elevated fat burning enzymes and some people don't. So if you just go out there and look at someone and be like, hey, this person has the physique of, you know, something that I would love to have. And this circles back to where we started the conversation. You can't just go and copy him. It's not going to work because your, your biochemical individuality, where you're living, what kind of foods grow around you, what kind of foods you eat are completely different than that person on Instagram. So this is why you need to have a coach. You need to have someone who has seen a lot of people and understands what is probably the best thing for you because you might just put unrealistic goals and unrealistic um, workouts and unrealistic diets up on your head because again this is a part of your ego which says yeah i am strong i'll be able to do it and i can do it and then this is why 90 percent of people or i would say even 99 percent of the people who start a diet eventually fail because either they have very unrealistic um, goals and then they're too hard on themselves and you don't have to be too hard on yourself it's not that complicated so yeah Imtiaz, I think I lost you there. I can't hear you right now. No worries. No, I can't hear you now. Don't okay. know what that is. Yes, I can now. Yeah. All right, go on. Um, so I'll give you a little anecdote. One of my nephews asked me last year, hey, can you design a little workout program for me? He's, he's about, you know, he's 18, 19, I think. So he's in that age where he's just coming into young adulthood and he's kind of... Mm -hmm. He wants to pack on all the muscles and like go impress the girls. Yeah. <laughs> as as everybody in that age category does so um I, you know I, I i'm a very busy guy but i said you know what let me let me design you know it's family 
I always do that for family members. So I took my time, I designed everything, nutrition training. <laughs> he chatted for maybe a couple of weeks and he said, oh, well, you know, I, I, I really want to do that program that uh, Michael B. Jordan is doing for Creed. You know, it's, it's, on, <laughs> it's on Google. <laughs> and I said, I said to myself, like, this is, this is completely the same thing I did when I was his age, back when I was just mm -hmm. starting to figure things out is, you know, what you see is so deceptive. Like you said, you're not built the same way as the other person. Your biochemical profile, your muscle insertions, the way they look on you genetically, it's completely different from the other person. Um, your lifestyle is different, right? Like for anybody who's been watching this stream or who's gonna check out this uh, stream later on, you guys have probably noticed my screen keeps flickering in and out and changing. You probably hear my baby in the background, the wiggles playing in the background, yeah. right? My life is absolutely not the same as it was 10 years ago. It isn't, right? But the key to it is adaptation. You have to adapt to it and make it work, right? One way or another, I'm making sure I'm staying on this stream because I think we're having a great conversation about some important topics. So coming back to the story about my nephew, you know, I, I recognize that, you know what? He's a young man. He sees another guy who he wants to look like. Uh, I even told him, listen, like, you understand that he's, Michael B. Jordan's got all the time and money in the world to do this. He, his genetics are completely different than you. And his motivation to train hard and be ridiculously disciplined with his diet is a lot higher than you because he's getting paid millions of dollars to do that, right? You are recreationally doing it. You can still push, but remember, you've got school, you've got other obligations, jobs, et cetera. So recognizing that is, I think, one of the first steps. Like when people get that, that blinder taken off them and they finally see things for what it is, that's one of those aha moments of transformation that can help a person go from just always repeating the same thing over and over again to actually making measurable progress. Mm -hmm. So talking about like, you know, designing your nephew's program and all other programs, I think a lot of people that are listening to this stream right now will have two burning questions in their hearts. And um, I think it's about time we like hit the nail on those ones. Now, is there something that you've come across recently or what is the gold standard way for you to A, build muscle, and B, lose fat. Because most of the people are just, you know, a lot of people aren't really concerned about how fit they are. It's mostly, like you mentioned, people are concerned about the way they look. And this could, this could range from someone who is like 18 years old to all the way up to, let's say, 50-year-old, I would say. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. what's your, what's your, what, what kind of like biohacks or techniques or supplements or what have you discovered that kind of like pushes the, pushes the dial? So, okay. Um, I'm going to break it up into three parts here. So mm -hmm. number one, you know, I'll give you a biohack right off the bat. If you guys want to increase your testosterone or freely available testosterone, uh, do lower body exercises. I know a lot of guys skip lower body day in the gym. We're all about the biceps and the chest and all that, you know, the visual mm -hmm. muscles, if you will but do your lower body exercises. When you train the bigger muscle groups in the body, which is your, your quads, hamstrings, glutes, et cetera, you get a much higher output of testosterone in your body. So you definitely want that because testosterone is gonna help you with you know, training, strength, fat loss, et cetera. It's, it's a really nice compound for men and women, but you know, men in particular are really affected by it. Um, so first and foremost, you've got to address your mindset. I've, you know, over my 15 years of doing this, I've found that no matter how good your program is, how good your diet is, how good the whole structure of it is, if the person's mindset is still the same as when they started and they never grew here in their mind, forget about it. You know, they're just going to cycle right back to step one at some point, whether it's when they're with you or after you. So you must address the mindset. You have to have your, your why. Your why needs to mean something to you. Why are you in the gym? Why do you want to get shredded? Why do you want to look good? If it's just to impress girls, that's not going to 
for men, that's not gonna be a good enough thing. For women, if it's, you know, oh, I just I just wanna look like Kim Kardashian or whatever, not good enough because it doesn't yep. have a meaning to you. I'll give you an example. When I was younger, right? Um, mm -hmm. I used to train because I wanted to be one of the best athletes I could be, no matter what sport. And I was, I, I, I did really well for myself. But when life changed, you know, when I hit my 30s and I got kids and all that, life, life changed. My motivation changed, but I wasn't acknowledging it because I wasn't ready for the mindset change. I wasn't ready to let go of, hey, no, no, I'm, I'm a top level athlete, et cetera, right? So when that changed, it took me a while. But eventually I realized, well, my motivations for working out and staying in shape are different now. So am I going to train the same volume, frequency, and intensity as I did when I was in my 20s? No, I don't need to. I can do way less than that and still get the results I want because now my goals are be healthy in the long term, enter my 40s, 50s, 60s in better shape than I did in my 30s so I can have the best life possible with my family and make those memories, right? My whole motivation mm -hmm. is different now. Same thing with my clients. I run you know, a 12-week transformation program and one of my recent clients, and I love telling this story, you know, we worked on our why for like, three weeks in this program like it, it, people are like oh wait you don't just give us a meal plan off the bat and then workout plan no no you're going to start walking off the bat but we're going to work on your mindset and your goal setting skills because again it's a skill and because we did that th this kind of mind she's amazing she literally had a car accident on the afternoon of our meeting right we were meeting once mm -hmm. a week she messaged me so can see i just had a car accident everyone's fine but my car's totaled and i'm like oh my god it was like an hour before the meeting i'm like don't worry about that just Focus yeah. on, you know, your family, your health. She showed up to the meeting. Wow. It's like, it's like, and, I, and nobody else in the meeting knew. The other people in the group didn't know until she told them. But I was thinking, you know, like that is the difference between setting up your goals properly where it matters so much to you that even after something like a car accident where you're maybe not 100%, you're still showing up. And that discipline is there because you know you're doing this program. You're trying to change yourself for a very specific reason that matters, right? So you have to change your mindset. Now, when it comes to physical training, like I said, train lower body, guys. Don't skip it. Your lower body training not only helps you with the testosterone release, it's also going to help you get stronger overall, right? When you mm -hmm. strengthen one part of the body, especially the bigger muscles, the rest of the body responds really well to that, right? In people who are injured, for example, if you break your left arm, right, and you can't train for six months, if you still train your right arm you know, as, with as much strength and, and, and technique as possible, you'll actually see your recovery is better and your left arm, you lose less muscle. They've done studies where muscle atrophy is reduced when you're training the side that's still functional. So that's another mm -hmm. big thing is train the lower body. Don't cause that um, asymmetrical issue where people are just jacked up top and skinny in the bottom, right? Yeah, even for your sense. longevity, it's so important because we know that uh, the glutes and all the other muscles in the legs, they are very dense in androgen receptors and these androgen receptors once they're stimulated then you get you know we're talking about growth hormone um growth hormone igf1 testosterone all of these anabolic hormones increase and then you have um, a good response because even for women like even if you're training your lower body of course women look much better with their lower body on uh, but when you train those androgen dense receptors then the 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 growth hormone spike or the IGF-1 spike also has a good response in reducing fat. So it's not that if you're just going to train your lower body, you're going to build a lot of muscle, but you might be able to lose a lot of fat and it's good for, you know, it can increase brain-derived neurotropic factor. It can increase all of these other factors, you know, in your brain. You do like a 
squat set of like even just the most minimum amount of weight and you'll see your heartbeat increases so your circulation increases your amount of oxygen that is going through your cells are increasing when you do a hard workout you know that the mitochondrial effects that come from that workout also tend to increase so love that point man uh, train your lower I, body you know here's the thing um, I, I'm a science guy, right? My background is in human biology. I've studied that in university. I've, I've had 15 years as a, as a coach studying that, upgrading my skills with that. So I'm very well versed in all these little compounds you're talking about and the mechanisms of it. And that's how I approach, I used to approach my training like that, my clients saying, I want to be the most scientific guy ever. Mm-hmm. I realized, and, and this was a shock to me. I realized that, yeah, this science is what, what's the underlying truth. But most people don't give a, like, they don't care. Yeah. And, and you know, it broke my heart. It broke my heart a little bit because I'm like, but wait, like, don't look at the Instagram guy. Listen to the guy who's telling you about IGF and all this stuff because yeah. that's what you need to know. But then I, I asked myself the question, why is that the case? Why is it that people don't care about the actual science? They just want the quick fix. And it keeps circling back to the psychology of it. People just want it now. They want the solution now. So, okay, here's, here's a couple more hacks for everybody who wants a solution now. If you guys want to lose weight or burn body fat off of you, you need to get fix your energy balance. I don't care if that's by working out, cardio, hiking, whatever your method of you know, burning calories is and using up calories is. Your energy balance is the number one principle that will dictate if you will lose weight, maintain weight, or gain weight. Now, we'll get to whether that's muscle, fat, etc. But if you are consuming more energy in than you're expanding, you are going to put on weight. It's going to happen. Most commonly, it's in the form of body fat because once we pass a certain threshold, our body says, okay, all this extra stuff, go to the fat cells, you know, store away. Mm-hmm. If you eat exactly at maintenance, which is, you know, if you're spending, let's say, 2,000 calories a day from walking, living, breathing, talking, weightlifting, et cetera, and you eat 2,000 calories in, your body weight is going to stay the same. Your body will generally stay the same. Now, if you mess with your macros a little bit in that situation, if you have a higher protein diet in that case, you will burn some fat. Now, the last scenario is if you eat less calories, if you take in less energy, then you spend. Now, you can do this in two ways. You can either spend more energy or you can eat less, right? Or you can kind of do both at the same time moderately. Then you are going to lose weight. Now, how, how do you lose the weight? Is it fat? Is it muscle? Well, it, that will depend on the way you're training, your recovery, and the diet, your macronutrients in your diet. You know, what, what ratio of proteins, carbs, and fats are you consuming? What about your micronutrients? You know, are you healthy? Because you can do this stuff. You can lose weight on a diet of Twinkies and hamburgers and, and or your cookies if you want. It's been scientifically proven. Diet, people have done studies where they've survived on a Twinkie diet, right? And mm-hmm. lost weight. But is it healthy for you, right? Because in the long term, it's not. So number one, number one thing, number one skill you have to get good at is understanding your individual energy balance. How do you do that? You've got to, for a short period of time, measure what you eat. That's the easiest way to do it. Training, you don't know if you're burning 500 calories a session, 100 or 5,000. It's hard to say because you're not directly measuring the calories burned during a training session. But nutrition is a lot easier to track and a lot more accurate. Is it 100% accurate? Of course not. It's a lot more accurate when you track the things that are going into your body and then you can adjust your output. You can adjust your exercise frequency, duration, intensity accordingly. And not just that, keep in mind, if you're a very active person, so if you're a mom, at home, a stay-at-home mom, and you're running after the kids all day, your, your need, your non-exercise um, activity is, is high, and you're burning off a lot of calories doing that stuff, you have to factor that in. Where most people go wrong, and most diets nowadays go wrong, is as soon as you get a coach who sends your diet plan, I guarantee you it's like an extreme like 500-calorie drop from where your maintenance should be. 
And that's a problem because the moment you start doing drastic things like that, the human body, the number one goal it has is survival. It's a survival machine. It's the best survival machine ever. In, in the history of this universe, there's nothing that comes close to it. The human body doesn't care whether you want to lose weight, gain muscle. It doesn't give a single care in the world. It wants you to survive. It'll do everything possible to survive. So when you start dropping your calories so hard, so fast, as most diets do, you're going to see that immediate drop in weight. And that's you know, normal. However, after a week or two, your body says, uh-uh, I'm in starvation mode, essentially. You know, I, I hate the word starvation mode, but it, it thinks that it's not getting the amount of food it needs to survive. So what it's going to do is slow down all your metabolic, metabolic processes, and it's going to take all that energy you put in and store it as much as possible into your fat cells. Mm-hmm. And it's going to start atrophying your muscles and eating away at the protein to provide some of the missing energy and also to prevent energy from being burned in the first place because muscle is an active tissue. You burn calories with muscle. The more muscle you have, the more calories you burn even at rest. So your body is a survival machine. Please remember that. So you need to understand your energy balance. And the best way to do that, the easiest way to do that, I should say, is work with a coach and measure your nutrition. Measure what you put in your body. It's way easier to do it this way than to say, oh, I'm just going to run off that extra cake I had. No, it's okay. You had a piece of cake. Just get back on your diet the next, next meal or the next day. It's okay. We, we're human beings. We need that release. And for anyone who's listening, if you think that you can burn that cake off, then make sure you read the label of the cake and then run on a treadmill and see how long yeah. it takes you to burn <laughs> like a thousand calories. You will be surprised. Yeah. It's, it doesn't come as easy as that. And uh, yeah, it, uh, spot on there. I would just like to add that, you know, you mentioned about um, your body is such an adaptable and survivable mechanism. And this takes me back to some of the things that we learn through evolution. Now, now we have abundance of food, right? Foods um, as close as our to our fingertips because you just open up a delivery app like Uber Eats or Deliveroo and then you just press something and like 15 minutes later, the food arrives at your doorstep. You don't really have to walk. You don't have to hike. You don't have to hunt for the food. But this is not what was there before the agricultural revolution. So like to take a step back when people would you know food wasn't abundant and people had to walk a long time to catch some food or when there was like natural disasters like ice age drought floods and people were deprived of energy around them the most intelligent way for your body to survive is convert everything that you have in your body including muscles into fat why because fat can provide long lasting energy you think about it this way you have like carbohydrates let's say you're you're if you're depending on carbohydrates and protein for energy now your muscle and your liver combined can only hold on to a certain amount of energy right the muscle glycogen and the liver glycogen can hold up to about let's say 2000 calories worth of energy but then you look at your fat and fat is very dense in energy your fat, even if you're like an athlete and you have like 7% body fat, that equates to up to 20,000 calories worth of energy. So it's only smart that every time you replenish your, like, you know, like, I don't, I know that you don't like to use this word starvation, but every time you starve, you're giving your body the same evolutionary signal that there is a famine or there is a drought or a flood and food is scarce. So at this point, every system that's going on in the body must be turned into fat. 
which you don't want because like that's counterproductive because you might be and to add on to that um Etias, you know what also happens when people go on these extreme diets? They go on to extreme cardio and training sessions as well. So, you know, yeah. your hormones are downplaying, your cortisol is elevated, and now you're you're running and you know you're doing the elliptical machine and you're doing that weight training and the hit cardio and stuff like that. And what does that do? It also sends stress signals to your body. Now you have less energy, you have less recovery, and you have added stress. And that's a disaster when it comes to you know, losing weight. So thank you for bringing that up. And also, one of the other things that I also uh, uh, am a firm believer of is that calories do matter to a certain point, but it is also your macro and micronutrients that matter a lot. Because you could be eating like a calorie, uh, you know, you could put up someone on a program of like 1,800 calories per day or like 2,000 calories per day, which we also know, like most of the nutritional labels are like, give or take 20%, like, you know, the margin of error is not 20%. So, you know, if you're, think about that for a second. And then every time you have things with artificial, let's say sweeteners, you have um, pesticides like glyphosate entering your body, or you're eating dinner at like 10 p.m that also destroys your circadian rhythms and circadian biology in the way your liver your kidneys your stomach everything processes the food so let's say like i did this example on myself i i wore a continuous blood glucose monitor for some time and if i would eat i was on a ketogenic diet at that time and if i would eat a fat heavy meal you know not much carbohydrates going inside just some protein and fat and just some vegetables around my in dubai the sun was going down around 6 30 at that time so if i had something at 6 p.m my blood glucose would rise up to a certain bit but if i had that same meal everything the same at like seven seven i say everything the same but like we can't count for all the variables and right you know as much as possible yeah the next day at 7.30, which is like an hour after the sun goes down, my blood glucose spike was more than 25%. And we know that when blood glucose increases in your bloodstream and you aren't doing something like taking a postprandial walk or using like a G- glucose disposal agent to put that blood glucose down again, chances are your insulin level is rising. And what you're combining with that food group, if you're having a lot of carbs and a lot of fat, that insulin will make sure that the fat shuttles into the cell. So I think one of the most important things is timing as well, which a lot of people, especially in my part of the world, so everyone who's listening, I have so many friends who eat dinner at like 10, 11, like sometimes 12. And I think even if you keep your diet in check and your nutrition is check, circadian rhythmicity plays a very huge role on when someone gains weight or loses weight. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. That's a great point you make because here's the thing, you know, people don't, uh, and, and the, the timing of your meals, uh, you know, there's studies that came out, uh, I think 2000, you know, I want to say like four to eight in that time zone, but they were like, yeah, meal, meal, meal timing is, is super important, super critical. And then there's studies that came out after that, they're like, nah, it doesn't really matter. You know, like this is the thing with science, right? That is the pursuit of truth will always give you conflicting information until we kind of have enough time to, to really suss out what's going on, what's the true mechanism behind something. So with meal timing, I think, like you said, it definitely affects your circadian rhythm. So you have to, you know, if, if you're finding that you can't sleep, and that sleep is one of the cornerstones of health, you can't sleep, look at when you're eating, what you're eating at that time. 
Um, but meal timing also, like I tell my clients all the time, the number one thing, and, and this is repetitive and, and boring to a lot of people, but this is the, the fundamental science. Get your calorie balance right first. Then once you've mastered your calorie balance with the foods that's easy for you to consume, easy for you to get, then we're going to look at the quality of your calories because quality of the macros and the calories matters. But the, the first strike, the first angle I always go for is get the calorie balance right. That's number one. Without that, you could be eating the healthiest, quote unquote, healthiest food, you know, all the broccoli and chicken you want. It doesn't matter if you're overdoing the calories, you're going to gain weight. Yes, your, your health profile is going to be better, 100%. You're going to be healthier, but you're going to be overweight. So are you really making a positive difference in your health? Of course you're not. In the long term, if you're just gaining weight and getting overweight, it's really bad for you. But uh, coming back to meal timing, I tell my clients after they get their macros in, after they get all that kind of knowledge and, and, and put that into practice, then I say, okay, now play around with when you eat. I've done extensive research on myself and with clients with this. I've, I've done a lot of reading on this particular topic because as an athlete, it's critical. Your meal timing can make or break your performance. It can be the difference between having full 100% energy for the event or thing you're training for or flatlining when you get there. Even mm -hmm. in the gym, if you guys ever feel tired and lethargic and you, you know, I just don't want to go to the gym, examine what you ate and when you ate. Right? How mm -hmm. long ago was that? Do you have that blood sugar available to you? Are your muscles and liver saturated with the energy that they need to have, with the fuel that they need to have? Or are you just kind of running on empty at this time? Right? And if you are running on empty, there's biohacks, there's hacks you can use. Coffee being a great example, right? Um, I use caffeine like, like in a, almost exclusively before my workout, 20 minutes before my workout. That's my marker. I'll take a caffeine pill because I just want to clean mm -hmm. caffeine. And uh, you know, I know 20 minutes is my timing. And minute 25, I'm like ready to go. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Right? My, my, my neuronal system, my, my muscular system, they're all fired up and ready to go. So you've got to adjust. Uh, biohacks based on a standard and the standard you set is okay eat at a regular interval first set up that standard mm -hmm. so your body knows what to expect and then implement the biohacks and then you're just 200 timing your results that you can get from this mm -hmm. do you cycle caffeine i do yeah so just like with creatine uh, caffeine as well i'll do it for maybe a month to two months at most so about eight weeks and i'll cycle off of it for like two to four months uh, i'm not a big guy in, in drinking coffee i use it more specifically to help me in my workouts what other supplements do you think make a big difference like do you think things like there's a role for vasodilators like l-arginine l-citrulline there's a role for things like um yeah things like that or beta alanine or you know betaine What's uh, what else are you using? Oh man, beta beta alanine. You took me back to my kickboxing days. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've toyed around with different supplements, um, all the safe ones, not not like steroids or anything. I've never mm -hmm. done that stuff because I, I don't believe in that at all. Like I don't believe that you need that um, that kind of help unless mm -hmm. you're like the top one percent in the bodybuilding or, or, or athletic world. And then if you do it, I kind of get the motivation is high, the the output mm -hmm. and the payout is high. But for the normal average person, it's not worth it. It's so bad for you in the long term. But coming back to supplements. Uh, whey protein, 100%. If it's mm. animal source, plant source, doesn't really matter. But whey protein, it can definitely help. Uh, I'm not saying you should just rely on it. Some people rely on it to get their protein intake. Whenever possible, get your macro and micronutrient intake from whole foods, right? If possible, foods that are grown on the earth from live animals, etc. right? Um, as close to the ground as possible, I like to call that. But for supplements, whey protein, um, creatine. Now, creatine is the most researched supplement in the world. The, the number of studies done on this thing is by far way more than anything else. 
yeah. and it's been proven conclusively to be one of the best things you can take, even like if you're just a recreational uh, lifter, if you just go to the gym recreation to, to stay in shape and healthy. Um, so I, I cycle in and out of creatine. I'll do it maybe twice a year because I have serious training phases twice a year. Uh, the rest of the year is more just recreational and maintenance phases. So uh, creatine, um, beta alanine, I used to mess with beta alanine before, uh, but <laughs> the, the jitters were just not worth it for me anymore. Like yeah, you get that tingling. little tingling feeling. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it just, it, it, I was like, you know what? Like, do I really need that one extra half a percent in my performance? No, did I see a performance gain with it? Yeah, a little bit of endurance uh, increase for me, specific to my genetics. But honestly, uh, I stick to a, as few supplements as possible. A multivitamin is something that I do recommend, especially for someone like me in Canada, you know, we're, in, uh, we're a winter country, so we get winter eight months out of the year. That's changing thanks to global warming. Our summers are increasing by a month, so yay, we'll yay. take that. But um, multivitamin will help fill up some deficiencies. Some of the uh, new ones that I've tried in the last kind of couple of years, vitamin D, right? even in the summertime, like I have, uh, I'll take usually about 5,000 milligrams, I think, of vitamin D. Yeah, so international units. Yeah, so five, sorry, five I use. So I'll I'll do that because what I, what happened with me was for about five or six years I was very sick. I was getting colds very easily. I, my body was just not wrecked. And this is around that time when I was super stressed out in a 2018 kind of time, right? Mm -hmm. With work, with training, with coaching clients, etc. So I realized my cortisol levels were so high, my stress level was so high from other sources in my life that I needed to kind of reset the clock and I needed some help. It wasn't just enough to eat healthy foods, quote unquote. So vitamin D. Magnesium, zinc. These three things changed the game for me. Vitamin D in particular just completely changed the game for me. I don't, I don't know what was going on with my immune system, but vitamin D just came right in and saved the day. So I still take it to this day. You know, I'll still cycle it you know, once in a while, but um, I will take it almost on a daily basis. So multivitamin, vitamin D, magnesium. Uh, if you get cramps a lot or if you're training in the summer in the heat, you're sweating a lot, it's hard to get the electrolytes in unless you're drinking specific electrolyte drinks. So uh, magnesium um, supplement will definitely help with that. It definitely helps with that. And zinc for, you know, good sleep. Zinc for, you know, if you're in a country like Canada, like I am, where there's colds and flus in the winter, zinc helps with that, but also helps you with your sleep. So ZMA, so zinc, magnesium uh, compound together, it's something that I've used before. But outside of that, um, you know, just your fish oils, right? Uh, that's pretty mm -hmm. much it. Yeah, I, I don't stray too much into the, the, the citrullines and the L-arginines and the leucines. I've done all of that before. but like I said, people tend to complicate things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I did it, so I know. I, I, people tend to complicate things because it makes them feel like they're doing something. But really, you've got to go back to the simple stuff. Go back to basics. The basics work. Every coach I know who's worth their salt, every athlete that I personally know who have coached or who have seen work at the highest levels, national levels, even Olympic trial levels, it's the basics. They all do the same boring basics day in and day out. And that's the key. If you can be that disciplined, and stick to the basic diet, stick to the basic training protocols, and work on your technical skills. There's no end to how much progress you can make. The moment you overcomplicate it and you start attributing your success to a particular supplement, even whey protein, you're, you're losing. Because the moment you stop taking whey for whatever reason, you're traveling or you, know, you just forgot to take it today or whatever, you're going to start thinking, oh my God, I'm not at optimal, I'm not at 100%. That's psycholo the psychological play that goes on in your head is going to wreck you because then that leads into oh, well, if I didn't take my whey protein, I might as well skip my workouts today because it's not going to matter, right? Mm -hmm. So on and so forth. And this problem becomes magnified when you go into things like steroids and then you know, testosterone therapy for people who don't need testosterone therapy. You know, Trenbolone and Clem, all of these substances that help people get shredded and jacked and big, 
it, it damages your body and you don't see the effects till a little bit later on. It wrecks your normal testosterone production and, and all of that. But also psychologically, it damages you to a point where you think you need that stuff. Nobody mm-hmm. needs that stuff. Unless you are fighting to be that number one guy in the entire world in bodybuilding, you know, then okay, you go have fun with those things. Yeah, even when that happens, like most of the people are always trying to do that. And we see a steady decline in health as bodybuilders age because, again, of all these exogenous things that they're taking in and they're like their hormones are screwed up. And I would say, like, you know, if you're in the top 1%, chances are you're working with a professional, you're working with an mm-hmm. endocrinologist who can guide yeah. you through that process. But again, not taking that hit is much better than fixing it. What about your training program? How does your training look like? Uh, my personal training program or, or things that I do for my clients? Because my training program is very different now. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, you're a father, so it changes yeah. the dial on things. So that's why I don't want to get into your sleep because <laughs> I know that babies have the special sensors of waking up whenever their parents whenever are sleeping. sleeping yep. yeah, so I don't want to get into your sleep, but like on an average, what kind of like, are you strength training? Do you go on like a mass building cycle? Do you, what, what's your basic idea about training? Yeah, absolutely. So training is my first love. It always will be right. Uh, nutrition is my very second close love. Um, but training, man, like I, I've been an athlete all my life. In the initial, initial phases of my early life, when I was an athlete and I was doing really well, I never had coaches in the strength field. I ne- nobody coached me in that. I just kind of did the thing people do. Go to Google, look up the information, and off you go, right? Mm-hmm. But as I got more educated behind the science of it through you know, university, through other courses, through professional training, what I learned is there's no one mode of training that's right for everybody, right? So if somebody comes to you and tells you, hey, take my program, you know, in six weeks, you'll be 60 pounds lighter because my training program is the best. Not the case, man. Like if you really study the science, if you're intelligent enough, you start to realize that the genetics of a person plays a huge role in it, in a huge role. So if I was to say, so CJ, if I told you, hey, CJ, let's get you in a powerlifting program, right? It might take you eight months to make a measurable change, a specific measurable change. Whereas for someone like me, whose body just loves powerlifting, because I'm mm-hmm. built a certain way, I'm built, I'm built a little bit, you know, on the bigger end of for, for my size, a stocky, stronger guy. It might take me two months, right? I discovered that when I actually put myself in different modes. I, I actually used to, um, so back when internet training and online training became a thing for the first time, I, I used to wonder, what are these people selling? Because there's one guy, I still remember his name. His name is Manny. I don't know if he's still in the business, but this was many years ago. But he used to sell programs for $25 online, mm-hmm. diet and training. So $25, and he was killing it in the field. I was like, what is going on? What's, what is in the end of his program for $25? That's you know so cool. So I actually paid for it. I do this all the time. I pay for other people's program just to see mm-hmm. what they're doing. Yep. And this guy's program was literally, I still have the notebook where I wrote it down. His, his diet was you know the typical chicken, tilapia, broccoli, the bodybuilder yeah. diet. The, the, the really the unhealthy for you ones, on yeah. the long term. Yeah. And his training program, this is where I really understood that you know people don't know what they're talking about just because they look like an expert or have a shredded body doesn't mean jack. His training program is about each training day, and there was about four training days in a week. It's 20 exercises. So let's say mm-hmm. you walk into the gym on a Monday. That's 20 exercises. On average, each what? exercise you're doing, yeah, like I couldn't believe it. And I actually tried it. I'm like, okay, don't knock it till you try it. 20 yeah. exercises. So he's aiming for, i.e., muscle confusion, that quote-unquote muscle confusion term. All right. 20 exercises. Each exercise is about 12 reps to 16 reps, depending on exercise. The higher reps were for more of the core exercises. Mm-hmm. And they were doing about six to eight sets of each exercise of that. No way. 
So, I mean, for anybody who doesn't understand what the science behind this is, this is overtraining to the max. Like you're, you're pushing your body so far, you're at risk of developing rhabdomyosis, which is, you know, your, your body breaking down your muscles and those byproducts entering your bloodstream, which is actually yeah, toxic. Uncle Rhabdo. Uncle Rhabdo, right? So I actually tried that thing. And by day three, I, I could barely move. And here's the thing. A coach like him was telling people on that feeling of, oh, you feel sore. Oh, you sweat a lot when you work out. But feeling sore and sweating are not the hallmarks of a good exercise program. It's your progress. If you can come into the next session or two sessions from now and lift more or lift with better quality or you just get stronger overall, that's the marker that your program is a good program. Anybody can make anybody sore. If I give a monkey a pen and tell him to make some scratches on a piece of paper and gives me 10 scratches, I can take that and say, yep, today we're doing 10 reps. If I give an elephant the same pen, he makes three. Okay, we're doing three reps today. Anybody can do that. Anybody can pull a program off of Google and say, yeah, this is the best program. But it's highly individualized. And that's why having a coach is so important. They can see that. For someone like me, I respond very well to powerlifting. Powerlifting, my body soaks it up. I put on muscle. I just, I get ridiculously strong. Mm -hmm. Cardio, and believe it or not, I, I used to be an endurance athlete before. I used to be a cross-country runner, and a sprinter, you know, all of that oh, stuff. All right. I, used compete, I used to compete in that. I hate cardio. My body has hated cardio since I was maybe 25 years old. <laughs> you know, it, it just, something changes in my genetics. Something changed. And I could tell right away, okay, cardio is just not doing it for me. I hate it. It's boring. I fight it psychologically and my body doesn't respond. But what it does respond to now is powerlifting, right? It used to be sports-specific training, more MMA-style training, but now it's powerlifting. Mm -hmm. And then once powerlifting is done, as I get older, I'm sure it's going to morph more into something else, right? And I've seen the same thing with clients. Some people, based on their body structure, their biomechanics, how tall they are, their limb lengths, the, the, the way their, their uh, physics works, when, when they move their body, they're going to do a lot better with higher, higher volume bodybuilding style training. Or some people will do powerlifting. Some people will do sport-based training, sport-based mm -hmm. movement training. So I no longer prescribe to the idea there's one training that's good for all. Now, how do I train nowadays? Nowadays, my training is all about longevity and mobility. I'm really focusing this year, especially with the lockdown on mobility, increasing my joint mobility and range. And that's not just flexibility. That's actually actively moving the, the joints around, the, the limbs around with strength, with control. Because as you get older, that's one of the things we see. Older people get stiffer. They can't move as well. And that's one of the reasons they fall and hurt themselves so much because as they lose their sense of balance, their body can no longer catch themselves when they start to fall or trip. So I'm planning already for when I'm 60 and retired and, and you know, older. I'm planning mm -hmm. for that already. That's a great um, strategy. However, yeah, with the lockdown ending, though, I've already spoken with my coaches about this on my podcast. You know, I had my Muay Thai coach on my podcast a few episodes ago. And that itch and that burn to still become a champion and still compete is in me. You know, once an athlete, always an athlete. So uh, once the lockdowns kind of end and the gyms open up, I cannot wait to go back to some combat training because uh, martial arts is, is another love of mine. And, uh, you know, I think I still got it in me. So uh, uh, I'm just building my, my body up now, fixing the injuries mobility training and when the gyms open up it's back to combat training so it's uh, military and uh, martial arts training for me wow that sounds exciting really that sounds exciting and i hope you can your lockdown gets over fast and you can get to it now you mentioned about like training and how people can get into that 20 set 20 exercises and you know push yeah. the boundaries get to overtraining, which brings yeah. me to another big um let's say side of the pyramid which is recovery what are your top tips or tricks for recovery? How do you see, like, maybe are you testing HRV in your clients? Do you see, like, what recovery markers are you focused on by, for yourself, for others? What do you think people who are listening to this show should um, focus on? Any biohacks around recovery? 
Absolutely, yeah. So um, let me just say this outright. If you're not recovering properly, all that training you do doesn't mean jack. It doesn't mean a thing because training is is educated, directed stress. You're picking that level of stress and the type of stress you're putting your body in, but where you improve and make the gains, so to say, and 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 make make a stronger body, a more able body, is when you're recovering. So everybody who's listening to this, prioritize your recovery. When I design my programs for myself and my clients now, the first thing I do is plan the recovery. The first thing I do before I even design the workout programs is say, okay, what days and what frequency is going to be there for the recovery days? Because that is mm -hmm. crucial. Now, some of the biohacks that I love to use is, you know, everybody has a Fitbit now. Everybody's got the aura ring and these things that can measure your heart rate and all these other things. They're not super accurate, right? So don't take them as the gospel. But you can use certain aspects of them to help you understand when you're recovered. And we're very fortunate to have this technology so easily accessible because now, you know, one of the things I look for is when you wake up, what's your resting heart rate? Mm -hmm. Right. Simple. Just look at one one metric. What's your resting heart rate? If your resting heart rate is a little bit elevated past, I would say maybe 70 percent. Right. Um, I would say maybe slow down for that day. And, and that's conservative. But at the same time, we've seen that, you know, professional athletes, when they train and they follow these metrics and we track the metrics, the days when their uh, heart rates are more of uh, manageable. So under 70 percent uh, mm -hmm. stress, they function better. They perform better. Their training sessions go better. But the days when the resting heart rate is above 70%, you know, you do see a decline in performance. You do see a decline in, in the kind of work they can do in the gym. And, and the chance of injury goes up when, when that happens. Yeah, the potential so, of injury goes up so much when, you're like, yeah. when your heart rate goes up completely. Yeah, so, so that resting heart rate, it's so easy because you can just leave the Fitbit on or whatever the device is, you just yeah. leave it on you. And when you wake up, you can just check. Most devices mm -hmm. have a function that will tell you, you know, what's your heart rate when you're sleeping. And you need to track that stuff. You know, these apps for ship track it for you. Track it over a long period of time. You might even see some trends like, hey, I tend to get super stressed on a Friday. Why is that? Is it because, you know, some stressful event happens in my life or somebody comes over that I don't really like? Like, we got to find it's out. It's because of that alcohol friends. that you have in the night there because it's the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, so heart rate-based uh, training is something that I'm big into now because it's been proven to actually work and have real-world implications. Um, the other thing with recovery is, you must do something to recover daily. So this is something that's sorely lacking and people need to take this seriously. One of the things I do is foam rolling, okay? Now, mm -hmm. foam rolling is not a magical thing. It will not re replace a good massage therapist or a good you know, rehab program for massage and all of that stuff. But if you do foam rolling on a regular basis, you're promoting blood flow into parts of your body that are maybe overworked or sore from training or uh, need a little bit more blood flow. You're helping move that fascia around under your skin so that it, it's not getting the chance to get stiffer and kind of clump together and cause you knots and pains. So a daily recovery habit of rolling a ball under your foot, you know, easing up the, the, the tendon there. Foam rolling, that's a big one. I love foam rolling every day if possible, right? When you feel good by doing these things every day, you're going to perform better and mm -hmm. safer. And when you perform better, you get better results out of it. Uh, and probably the number one thing for recovery is sleep, right? Mm -hmm. That is number one. If you do not have your sleep figured out and if you're not getting enough rest, and that's different for different people, right? Some people it's five hours, some people it's seven hours, but depending on your lifestyle and what you're trying to achieve here, if you're not sleeping adequately, forget everything else, prioritize your sleep. Find out what you need to change, what you need to do to sleep better. It's not about sleeping longer, it's sleeping better. See, me, for example, um, I, for many, many years, I wasn't sleeping well. Right? I'd wake up and I'd be a zombie for the rest of the day. I was training, I was a healthy guy, I'm not overweight, so what's going on? And I realized, you know, I went to a sleep clinic to say, okay, let's figure this out. And, the, and I realized that unfortunately, you know, it, it's, I guess, in my family, um, 
I have sleep apnea, which means my, my breath stops often during nighttime sleep. So when that happens, you're not getting the oxygen in your body and brain. And when you wake up, you're like a zombie. There you go. It makes sense. So the game changer there for me was, okay, now I've diagnosed the problem. Let's fix it. I got a sleep apnea machine, which is a little mask you put over and, and stays on when you sleep. And it supplies you with oxygen and, and air. It just pumps air into your, into your body so you don't close up here. What a game changer. My personality improved. My mood improved. My energy levels like tripled within a week. And I can tell the difference now when I don't use the, the CPAP machine versus when I do use it. When I don't use it, I wake up, I'm like, ah, today, another day. When I do end up using it, it's like, all right, let's go. Let's crush the day. And it's, it's a night and day thing. But what did I change there? You know, all I did was get better quality sleep. Am I sleeping longer? No, I've got two kids under five. Like, come on, this is, that doesn't exist. That, that, that doesn't concept, count for you, yeah. <laughs> no, that concept's foreign to me. But the quality of my sleep is so much better that everything in my life now is a lot easier for me to do and I perform better at every aspect of life. And what happens when you sleep, and you can talk about the science if you, if you want to share some science with the readers, uh, listeners, is you go into IE recovery mode. That's your major recovery mode. Your growth hormone spikes, your body says, okay, now we're resting. Let me fix up. Let me get better. Let me get stronger from the stress you put, 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 me, uh, put on me in the gym or during the workout. This is when you make the game. I remember when I was in my 20s, and I was at the sh most shredded, most jacked looking phase of my life back in university. All I did for three months after I got my first serious office job, I couldn't go to the gym anymore because it was like, okay, whatever, I'm, I don't have time, mm -hmm. is track my nutrition. So I was tracking my macros and, and uh, calorie cycling and carb cycling. And I made sure I got a decent amount of sleep, so like seven to eight hours of sleep. And I would literally wake up, I kid you not, I would wake up every morning and I would be like, I, I, I look leaner. I feel leaner. Did I just like burn a bunch of body fat overnight? And I used to get comments all the time from you know, friends and girls in the university. And they were like, oh my God, you look amazing. And I'm like, well, I didn't do anything different. I'm just tracking my food, calorie cycling, and sleeping. So like that was my spike. big, yeah, man. Like that was my big aha moment. Like, oh my God, like sleep is what made the difference. And when I didn't sleep, there were days when I didn't sleep perfectly. I could tell. I woke up and I was like, you know, a little bit softer, a little bit like, ah. So sleep is number one. Uh, for recovery get that fixed i would also uh, completely agree that it's a good point that um, sleep is so essential and it's not only essential for you know imtiaz or me or someone who's listening and he's an athlete is the most essential thing for human biology because one of the things that happens when you're sleeping is that like imtiaz mentioned you know you recover you have autophagy that goes on which is a cellular cleanup and also all throughout the day, when you're taking stress, when you're reading something, when you're recording a podcast, there's this garbage material that goes on and clogs your brain. So guess what? When you're sleeping, your brain cell actually shrinks up to 60%. And then there is cerebral spinal fluid that flushes through those brain cells. And this is, um, you know, your way of cleaning all the mess. And now we know from studies that people, you know, dementia and alzheimer's is such a big thing for older people but dementia and alzheimer's don't even start until four decades ago so if you're young and you're not sleeping well chances are that you have a lot of these protein aggregation in your brain the garbage which doesn't get cleared up so you have tau beta amyloid plaques and things like that that you know are in your brain and you can't clear them up and every time you sleep well your verbal fluency, your memory, your attention to detail, everything enhances. So I would say sleep is just an overall longevity hack. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. 
And, you know, we're coming to the end of the podcast. And my final question for you is, if you had a time machine, and if you could go back, um, let's say you can go back like 20 years in your life, or maybe when you were 20, what would be that one, or you can give yourself like two or three pieces of advice, knowing all that you know right now, everything that you've learned, everything that you've experienced, everything that your babies have taught you, you know, it doesn't have to be strength related or, you know, fitness related, just in life, what would you go back and tell your younger self? Apart from oh, like buying Bitcoin. All of us want to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Um, that's a great question. I love that question. So yeah, I, I tell myself a few things. Um, number one would be all those late nights staying up, especially when you know you're in the youthful prime of your life, if you would, right, in your early twenties to all throughout your twenties. It's just not worth it. Like unless it was something special, like a memory you were creating with somebody, or you know, special hangouts with friends or family. It, it really isn't worth staying up and binging on Netflix and all that stuff, right? Because it, you pay a price, right? They, they've shown conclusively that even an hour of missing sleep in, in your life, if you miss uh, good quality sleep by an hour, you're going to pay for that over the next day or two, right? It's like dehydration, right? 1% dehydration, you're going to pay for it for the next day or two. You're going to really have to take your time to recover. So that those sleepless nights really aren't worth it. Sometimes it's not under your control. Like I remember in my teenage years, like hormones going all over the place. I couldn't sleep if I tried unless I played sports four hours a day, like hardcore sports and then trained and then ran some more. Like that's understandable. but when you don't have that happening, um, you know, younger me, get that sleep in. Right? It's, it's going to serve you very well in the long term. Um, number two is get rid of toxic relationships. Um, and it not, it's not just for, you know, your, for your sake, for your sanity, but it has a direct impact on health. Who you are around is who you are going to be. And if the people around you are always stressing you out, guess what, buddy? You're shrinking your lifespan. You're literally shrinking your lifespan being around those people and you don't need that stress. So get rid of toxic relationships, whether it's in your family, in your friends. It took me many years to do that, to cut some people out of my life. Um, but once I did it, man, oh, big difference. Your energy um, level spikes. Oh, everything's better. You look at life through rose-colored glasses at that point because you realize, oh my God, why was I putting up with all that this yeah. for such a long time? Number three, and there's a few things I had to tell myself, get a coach. I, I succeeded in sports and athletic endeavors across different sports, and I competed at the highest levels possible without having a coach. So innate physical ability and, and drive and determination. And I spent a lot of time on the courts playing and stuff. So I wanted success and I found it, but I keep thinking, man, imagine what I could do if I had a coach oversee my progression in those years. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I was a professional athlete at this point, if that's what I did. Uh, so if I could go back or if somebody is on the same path as me, get a coach early. The earlier you do it, the better. When I coach kids now in martial arts or, or sports or you know, athletics, the younger they start, you, know, you see them later in life now, they continue that habit. They continue to excel. So get a coach, right? And um, the, the last thing I would probably tell myself is be kind to yourself, right? And, and across different facets of life, because we tend to beat ourselves up. Oh my God, I'm overweight. Oh my God, I didn't train today. Oh my God, you know, I didn't do this or I am not this or whatever. You start labeling yourself and the way you talk to yourself starts to you know, eat away at you. Be kind to yourself because as people, we're flawed creatures. We all make mistakes. We all do things that later on we want to change about ourselves. And that's okay. Give yourself permission to be a different person later because you're not bound just because somebody saw you a certain way to be that person that you were. 
you can change, you can be different. So this is a message that people who are stuck in one way, who think, yeah, I know what I'm doing with my health. Hey, go talk to a professional, see what they have to say, open up your mind. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe it'll strike the nerve that needs to be struck for you to make changes in your life, like effective changes. For people who think they know it all, there's coaches in this industry who think they know it all. No, just, 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 just go talk to a professional, some other professionals who, who excel in other fields, and you'll realize how much more there is to learn and, and to understand and know. And for people who think that uh, you can just sell your body online and, and, and keep deceiving people, I promise you, things are cyclical in life. Everything has its bright, sunny day, and then it goes back down to darkness. Everything, whether you talk about the keto diet, whether you talk about the Arnold Schwarzenegger days of bodybuilding, right? Everything's cyclical in nature and in life. So you may shine today, but I promise you, if you don't grow and become a better coach and start spreading proper information that helps people very soon, and it's happening now already in the industry, people are gonna see through your filters. People already know that on Instagram, you filter pictures, but people also are learning thanks to TikTok that you can apply live filters to videos. So, you know, you could look however you want, but sooner or later, the truth comes out. Look at uh, YouTube channels like Shredded Sports Science and uh, Greg Doucette and all these guys and um, uh, Alan Robertson who are putting these guys on blast. You know, guys like, um, uh, what's not Athenex, guys like um, uh, V Shredded, right? These YouTube superstars. They're being put on blast by the industry because We've had enough of these fake pseudoscience people who don't understand the science of it, selling programs to people just because they look a certain way. And your day is coming, your days are numbered. So I promise you, I promise you, um, don't think you're all that. Go talk to other people, improve yourself. If you are one of these people who've done you know, the, the Instagram thing and the YouTube thing and, and promoted just based on your body, it's okay, you have a following. You did what you did, now make the change. Because I promise you, if you don't, the reckoning is coming. People are understanding that this is not helpful. And I, the way the industry is going now, you know, coaching is an unregulated industry. Anybody can come in and say, I'm a coach. No credentials needed, as long as they look the part, right? But the way it's going, it's going to get regulated. Across the world, it's going to be regulated like any other profession. And when that happens, all of you who are out there selling your bodies, you don't have a job anymore. You don't have a job. So keep improving Unless yourself. You don't think you're... Yeah, sorry, unless you get into that habit of being the white, you know, like I think there's a famous quote that said you must have the white belt mentality, and especially this relate to you in the martial arts because, yeah. you know, you could be great at Muay Thai and you could be great at wrestling and you could be great at Taekwondo, but the moment you step onto the jiu-jitsu field, all yeah, that yeah. greatness is just going to go away. Like you're going to be like, yeah. you know, people are going to toss, turn, like, uh, it's yeah it, that, that's that's reality that's how life is and thanks for sharing yeah, that absolutely and um you know we've come towards the end of this conversation and i really really love talking to you i appreciate all the work that you've been doing all the lives you've been touching all the positive changes that you have made in your whole journey and the people that you love and the people that you know you know, are your clients or colleagues or people that you've just like uh, given a tip to and all the audience uh, on behalf of all of us. Thank you so much for putting in the work. Thank you so much for sticking to who you are originally and not giving your clients like that 20 exercise sets, but uh, giving them the real stuff. And I really appreciate you for that. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, you do online coaching, right? I do, yes. So um, I only take on a handful of clients at any given time because I want to make sure I give them my 
all that that's mm -hmm. possible. I want to give them the full attention. So um, if you guys are interested in the way I talk and the things I do and the way I coach people and you want to be coached by me, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you can find me on Instagram at ikabir.fitness or just look up in TS Kabir, you'll see a picture of me. Um, something you guys should know about me, if you're searching for me on social media, you're not going to see too many uh, avenues because uh, I'm, and I'm brutally honest about this, I'm still learning how to leverage and use social media uh, in a way that aligns with my principles, right? Without selling mm -hmm. myself out like other people mm -hmm. do. Um, and, and that's an area of growth for me. So if you guys go to my Instagram pages, just snippets from my podcast, but it, it, you know, I'm going to grow. I get, I've given myself this entire year to focus on my podcast and really make that my main avenue of information sharing. So if you guys are interested, look up the special strength fitness podcast. You can search for it on Google. You can find the podcast page or on Facebook. Uh, if you guys want to connect with me, just look, look me up MTS Kabir on Facebook and uh, just send me a friend request or send me a message. I'd love to connect with you guys. And, uh, you know, my website's coming up soon. I'm, I'm developing that again. I'm taking my time to make sure it's done right within my principles and my values so that uh, when it is out there, you have the whole authentic version of me and, and what I provide. So I look forward to that, guys. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah, and I'll make everyone's life easy. I'm going to put um, all of his details in the show notes. And if you go onto Instagram right now, I have made a post saying that I'm going um, online with Kabir. So you can find his Instagram for there. And there you have it, guys. Again, once again, thank you so much. And this is me, CJ, signing out from Shift with CJ Podcast. Everyone, have an energetic day, week, month, year, lifetime ahead of you. All right, now, bye-bye.